The federal government appears to be poised to scrap the border vaccine mandates. What's your take on that? The nominations are in. The deadline has passed. We talked about the civic election. Who's running for office? And would you ever put yourself out there and run for political office? There's an important rural health summit happening today to tackle all the problems being faced in Manitoba's healthcare system outside of the perimeter highway. It's World Gratitude Day, so we wanted to take a little bit of time to thank transplant donors. We spoke to a mother-daughter team who have, pun intended, cooked up a cookbook. And we had some fun talking about the ways our names get butchered and the names that we have butchered, particularly at inopportune times. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, September 21st podcast for The Start. It's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And where to start? Arrive, can... Ukraine, the oral election. So many things to discuss today and the Arrive Can app and the requirement to be vaccinated to enter Canada may be coming to an end. It sounds as though that requirement is on the verge of being eliminated, Loren McNabb. I would say it's about time, personally speaking. I, I just flew in and out of the States a few weeks ago. I didn't have any issues. It went smoothly. It went quickly. The RiveKen app was only just a minor hassle to load up and use. But I think as we move forward with COVID and, and all the different requirements in and around vaccines, it makes sense to lift this one. I wondered what's coming next around masks on domestic flights in Canada. I'm not sure if there's any changes or thoughts about where that might go. But the vaccine requirement sounds like it's coming to an end just in a matter of days. Yeah, that was a surprise. You you shared that with us yesterday, and when I saw the date, like, oh, that's... <laughs> I think part of me is still kind of, like, halfway into summer mode. So when I saw September 30th, I'm like, oh, that's... Yes. A few- no, wait, that's, like, it, 10 Next days week. away. Now it's nine I, days. I just looked at it, actually. I just said it's coming to us in a matter of weeks, and then I looked down at my calendar just mm. now, and I thought, no, wait, that's next week. Today is the last... Away. Today yeah. is the last day of summer. Hate to tell you. That's okay. Fall. I like fall. I know. You love fall. You love fall. Yeah. And you mentioned Ukraine. Uh, The president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, last night went on on television in that country and announced uh, that he was calling up uh, more reinforcements, uh, up to 300,000 reservists. They're calling it a partial mobilization as that counteroffensive in Ukraine. Uh, has Russia concerned about the the future of their what they call their operations in Ukraine? Uh, all sorts of conversation about what this is indicating, what this really means. How concerned is Putin? What will this uh, what will this do with regard to support from the West? He's using nuclear in a nuclear in terms of the conversation, nuclear weapons, and uh, which is always a little bit uneasy. And then they're going to be trying to have these plebiscites in these occupied territories as as well over the next several days to try and validate their presence and to have uh, people who are under attack, people who are in the midst of a war, vote on whether or not they want to be a part of Russia. It's just, it, it's getting uglier by the day, Loren. 
when you stop and think about that too, about just day-to-day life and war and the fact that we were talking, you know, back in February about during days or maybe weeks of this, now we're coming to the end of September and these, you talk about having a vote and then also talking about uh, war continuing and just how life, we feel, we feel so far removed sometimes. Imagine just every single day being consumed about, about the, the intricacies of war, but also having to go to the grocery store, having to vote, having to do all these things. It just, it blows my mind. And, and I, it, every day we've asked, when will this end? And I just, it feels like it's further away now. So we'll have more on this through the morning on 680 CJOB. And you can read more at cjob.com and globalnews.ca. And we'll have more uh, to discuss uh, on the election. The deadline, Loren McNabb was yesterday. Fewer candidates than we thought. There are more candidates than we thought. We're now, we now know who's in. We now know who's out for mayor. Um, it's fascinating because we've been talking about there are a couple of wards where the candidate has been acclaimed. And that's also happened in some rural communities outside of Winnipeg. And then on the flip side here, you have this mayoral race with a gajillion candidates. And so in some ways, you know, democracy is alive and well, Greg. And in others, you think, well, what? why wouldn't someone want to put their name in the ring, throw their name in the ring to be counselor and so it's just sort of a mixed bag out there because my when i when i read about areas where candidates are acclaimed i think that's too bad only because it's nice to have a race nice to see that there's um some debate going on out there nice to see that there's other people who want to do all they can for their city but man to for the city's top job there's more than enough candidates that want to put their name in well if we're having an honest conversation i think there are more reasons as to why people won't put up their hand than there are for reasons to put up your hand and to get involved in civic politics. I'm not trying to discourage anyone, but the writing's been on the wall for some time with regard to what you have to sacrifice if you are not an incumbent. An incumbent uh, continues to get a paycheck in certain certain, uh, uh, vocations. You have to step away from your job in order to run for political office and that can be a challenge for a lot of folks that would otherwise get involved and then social media and all the things that go with being in the public spotlight have people saying you know what I'm not going to bother and then with regard to those that we would probably like to be running for public office they've got bigger fish to fry and I I think that's just a, a symptom of our system and people's ju- that we would love to have representing us plain and simply, are not interested. So we'll have more on that at 7.05 today. And before we check your forecast, I do have a question for uh, Loren as a fellow allergy uh, time-to-time sufferer. How are your allergies today? Because mine are brutal. Oh, I feel like I'm, if I sound brutal, I, I should because it's I'm stuffed right up into my sinus passage this morning as soon as I woke up. So it's been a couple days like this. I had a bit of a reprieve. For about a week or two around just after the long weekend, but from mid-August, honestly, almost until now, I feel like I've sounded phlegmy. (laughs) (laughs) I I was trying to find a better word for it, but I was like, nope, it's just phlegmy. I had that same reprieve as well, but uh, the last couple of days, today in particular, just got I got to work and it just felt like I got hit by a freight train. So I pop, I'm, I'm hepped up on the goofballs. As uh, Mo would say, I'm just taking out antihistamines, but I feel a little little bit of hazy. So if you're an allergy person, let us know. An allergy sufferer, let us know how you're feeling today. (laughs) 
It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have tickets for Michael Buble coming to Canada Life Centre October 7th. And it has to do with what we're about to talk about, Mr. Mackling. Frontman for Canadian rock band Nickelback has revealed that everyone, I think everyone is a stretch, but most everyone has been pronouncing his last name wrong for all these years. We are catching up with Chad Kruger, frontman for Nickelback. And it is Kruger, right? Because you know 50% of the internet says Kroger. 50% of the internet says Kruger. Can you okay. confirm? Okay, it's it's Kruger. It's Kruger. Don't, don't, don't trust the internet. Uh, but you never have corrected anybody when they've called you Kroger, which I always thought was weird. I never get time because it goes, hey, well, here we are with Chad Kroger. Uh, da, 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 da. So how are things going? And by the time it gets, it's so far in, by the time I get to say something, I don't actually, because if I just stop and go, actually, it's it's Kroger. <laughs> I'm going to look like such a, so I just, I'm just like, well, I, whatever, I don't care. But So they've been around since the 1990s and we're still having this discussion. So here we are speaking to Loudwire on uh on a podcast, Kruger explained that his surname is often butchered. People have been saying Kroger, like the U.S. grocery chain, when it should be Kruger, as in Freddy Kruger from Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street. <laughs> I don't think we'll forget now yeah. for that comparison. That's a great analogy. So here's a question. Ways that people have butchered your name or ways you have butchered other names, and perhaps there was an inopportune time where you bonked somebody's name 204-780-6868 for a chance to win we'll pick a winner at 915 so loren McNabb, why don't we start with you oh come on 50 percent <laughs> of the time it's lauren or lorraine and he makes a good point <laughs> it's hard to correct and and uh, there's been times where i've let it ride for weeks or months with somebody that i you know might run in and say quite often in town or, or elsewhere sometimes i don't bother to correct because like you just you don't even hear it some days i just don't hear it and then other days it really bugs me particularly if you say hi i'm loren hi lauren it's like that is not <laughs> what i just said um, but it hasn't been butchered in any bizarre way. It's just that, like, just like Kruger Kroger, it's 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 quite frequent. It would be daily, I think, on this show that someone says Lauren. Yeah, yeah, it does happen quite a bit. I still get uh, Brent a lot. We had a former colleague on uh, the show last week uh, who called me Brent. And it's like not okay. once but twice. Yeah, and there <laughs> I've been working here eighteen years, and there are members of our sales team who still call me Brent McGarry. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. I have you in my phone as Mick Gary. <laughs> yeah, actually, I worked with a, at Taco Bell. Ta oh, this was not intentional, but I worked at Taco Bell, of course, <laughs> and uh, one of my colleagues started calling me Monty. And I asked him six months later, like, why do you call me Monty, Wade? And he says, well, that's your last name, Montgomery. And I, I said, come here. And I, <laughs> I, dragged, I, I dragged him over to the schedule and, and pointed to my last name, and I uh, said, well, I saw the M, the G, and the Y in your last name, and I guess I just saw Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind being called Monty because it was always like, hey, Monty. Monty Burns. <laughs> uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? Oh, uh, uh, Loren has ruined me for all Laurens in the world. <laughs> I, uh, my friends have a kid named Lauren who I've known longer than I've known you, McNabb, and now when I see them, I say, oh, hi, Loren, and they look uh. at me like, Yes. What is wrong with you? So, yeah, it's gone 180 the other way on that one. Uh, for me, uh, Braun and Brown were common uh, 
in Altona, you get a lot of people with the B-R-A-U-N last name, and half of them are bronze and half of them are browns. So growing up, it was every day at school. So one teacher would call me brown, the next would call me brown, and no one could ever get it straight. My mom would always just like fiercely go to bat for the last name uh, being pronounced properly and correct anyone, but I just let it slide because I was like, ugh, I don't have time to get into this. Just call me whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> and Mackling, uh, what's this about one of your credit cards? Well, my first name is, of course, not Greg. It's Gregory, legally, although there is one uh, credit card company who believes my first name is Gregroy. Gregroy! They inverted the O and the R, and I didn't notice it. It took one of my kids. Hey, Dad, Dad, did did you know that credit card says Gregroy, right? Nope, didn't know that. (laughs) Three, four years, didn't even notice it. But the worst... Clearly no one else did either. Nope, nobody checks that that stuff. So the worst, though, was 1990. Uh, the quarterback for the Grey Cup champion, Blue Bombers, Tom Burgess, and his family came into a restaurant, which I will not name Loren. I served them. I gave them grade A service. They tipped me very well. And then a couple weeks uh, later, after the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup, I was at a celebration at the convention center. Well, I grew up in Brandon, Manitoba. And when I was growing up, the mayor of Brandon was Ken Burgess. I called Tom Burgess, Ken Burgess, not once, but twice. Oh, no. One of the biggest Blue Bomber fans on the planet and the starting quarterback, he looked at me really funny at the at the Grey Cup championship <laughs> at the victory party. And I said, oh, my God, I did it again. I called you Ken, didn't I? He said, yep. I said, I'm sorry, Tom. And I slinked away. Oh, did you explain yourself? No, I didn't explain. I just apologized. And I said, oh, <laughs> God, I can't talk about this. <laughs> uh, back in 20, fall of 2019, I uh, had the, the pleasure, the privilege of hosting an evening with John Cleese at, uh, the, at mm. the concert hall. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that where, you know, I was just basically there to introduce him. And then we did this little Q&A on the stage and I called him John Cleese instead of Cleese. And um, he corrected me very graciously. He pointed out that I was incorrect, but he, he made a joke about it. And he was really nice about it afterward. But I wanted to crawl away and die uh, sitting in front of 3,000 people with this, you know, this great actor and hilarious comedian. And oh, boy, that was bad. Uh, Poitras, what about you? Uh, well, I don't know. Like when I was growing up, there was always people added this like imaginary R uh, in, in the beginning. Like it, it wouldn't they wouldn't say Poitras. They would say Portress, Porterus, Porterius. Porterius was ridiculous. I had a coach that like I, I must have corrected him at least six or seven times. I think he was doing it on purpose by the end of it. But he just kept saying Porterius. And so there's Poitras. And I, for some reason, this R just got thrown into the beginning of it. Some people also, like, they know the French roots of my name. I'll get uh, 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 Poitras sometimes, which technically is correct, but that's just never the pronunciation that my family has, has ever used, uh, or at least for the last couple generations, they've always said Poitras. So I, I, when somebody says, like, Poitras, I, I don't mind it. I actually kind of like it a little bit. It sounds more distinguished. Kind of like Greg Roy. Greg Roy Poitras. That's a name. <laughs> <laughs> that could be uh, maybe if I, you know, make a move into the adult film industry, I may adopt that. <laughs> and uh, what about you and Master Control producer Jeffrey Fortier? Oh, that's that's the thing. Well, I even don't pronounce my last name correctly. I say Forche when it's you know Fortier. So like even I pronounce my last name wrong. But uh, there's one time uh, high school had a girlfriend and. Uh, she actually spelt my first name wrong. My first name is J E F F R E Y, 
And she used that as her MSN password, and she needed me to get into her account. She's like, it's your name. So I'm typing my name, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, and it's not letting me in. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? And I was like, wait a minute. Let me try J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. And it worked, and I was like, oh, no, how do I tell her? So I didn't. <laughs> and then months later, my mom writes out my name in front of her, and she's like, wait a minute. Your name's R-E-Y, not E-R-Y? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you didn't tell me. And I was like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> what grade year were you in, sorry? I was 10. Okay. And uh, did you end up dumping her because of that, or did she dump you because you wouldn't tell her? Oh, no, I, nothing like that. But then uh, years later... Went out with another girl, and then I totally spelt her last name wrong. So. <laughs> uh, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Mackling, we're asking about the ways people butcher our names or the ways we have butchered other ones' names, especially at a awkward time. It's uh, Greg, not Craig, Auntie Blanche. 18 years I had an aunt who called me Craig. I just stopped <laughs> trying to correct her. What are you going to do at that point? Uh, our uh, listeners are weighing in and some of these stories are terrific as they are every day. My legal name is Trisha and so many people call me Tricia. I go by Trish. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to give it up. My whole life, one of our listeners says I've had my name pronounced Olana, Yulana, Yuliana. I give everyone the anglicized pronunciation based on my legal name. Uliana, Juliana, spelt or as it would be spelt. Just drop the J and the extra N, Yuliana. So there you go. Morning, I get uh, Duan <laughs> from time to time. Usually at the co-op gas stations, I do correct them to Dwayne. That's an interesting one. Pretty sure most people expect the spelling Dwayne in Canada, but in the USA, I find my Dwayne the correct way, L-O-L. And then uh, the last one here, my last name is Robertson and reg regularly get called Robinson. I have no idea why. I always correct. My name is Robertson. Keep those texts coming for a chance to win tickets to see Michael Buble. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And a reminder, we've got tickets to see Ringo Starr. We'll give those away just after 8.45. So here's a question for you. Would you run for office? Would you ever consider throwing your name in a city council race, provincial election, federal? I think my answer is no. Uh, I'd love to hear what other people have to say. But there are a ton of people interested to be the city's top boss. 11 people are now officially running for mayor. 11 names in the list of mayoral candidates. There's also competition for incumbents in 13 out of 15 city wards. So there's only two councillors that have been acclaimed. That's Debbie Sharma in Old Kildonan and Marcus Chambers in St. Norbert. And I said earlier, depending on how you look at it, I, you might consider democracy alive and well in the city, it, particularly when you look at that mayoral race, Greg. That's the most we've seen in decades to have 11 people running for that job. Yes, but it's... You know, people will say, oh, we need fresh blood, a fresh view, pre fresh perspective. And then very quickly you hear people talking about they don't have any experience. They don't know. They don't know right. how government works. And so no, no matter what you do and no matter what the setup is and the list of candidates is, people don't tend to be happy. And so I, I wonder if that gets in the way as well. There's a race for mayor and Brandon, not just uh, here in Winnipeg and Porge La Prairie. Four candidates are, are running there. But in some of the smaller communities, get this, it's a, a very different picture. In fact, the mayor 
<laughs> Speaking of pronunciations. Words you can't pronounce. Yes. <laughs> I set you up for this. <laughs> the Marin Rishot. Yeah. Did I do that? Did I do okay? I don't know. Okay. Acclaimed Risho Richot. Acclaimed. Uh, same goes for Niverville. And in the RM of Montcalm, which includes Saint Jean Baptiste, L'Atelier, there is no race for Reeve or Counselor. All the spots have been acclaimed. And I checked in with the RM of Montcalm because it's there's there's several counselor positions in I think it's two different wards, and they aren't sure if this is the first time they've ever had all positions like this acclaimed. But rurally, it's a tough sell, I think, because, you know, it, it's not paid like a full-time job, but it can sometimes be a full-time job, depending what's going on in your community. If you think of those communities, and I listed those because they were all impacted by flooding this year, well, daily, hourly, minute by minute, 3 a.m., 3 p.m., the Reeves and counselors in those communities were, were working to try to protect their community from flooding, but might have also had to been working in their full-time job, right? So that's a hard sell, I think, to put yourself out there in some communities. And then even in the city, I just think right now, Brett, I mean, it's a climate where it becomes very difficult to put your name, to put yourself out there like that. You have to, as Greg mentioned earlier, in some jobs, you have to quit to run because your boss won't allow you to, to run and do both. Then when you try to get, if you lose that race and you try to find a job again, people will say, oh, you're, now I know which way you lean or now I know what some of your your ideas were and I no longer want to work with you. Like you, when you put yourself out there, you're really, you're really changing base, maybe your life forever and you'd hope it'd be in a positive way, but it, it isn't always. And not to mention the, the, the social media scouring that would could potentially have the the forensic audit, as it were, Mister Mackling. I, you know, I wouldn't want not that. I don't think I've put anything in my social media over the years, but you know, maybe ten years ago or twelve years ago when Facebook first started, I might have posted something dumb and uh, completely forgot about. That could come back to to be a thorn in one side. Yes, and I don't think I have as much concerns about that, say, on a local level, but still. There are things that you've done that you aren't necessarily proud of. There are people out there that know all your secrets. And depending on how close they are to you, might be prepared to share some of your secrets in light of your decision to come forward as a, a candidate, whether it be for mayor, for a leadership uh, position, whether it be uh, for MLA, MP. Like, you, you run the gamut here, and uh, for that reason, I'm out. The name of the song is Run Like Hell. Would you ever consider running for office? Or if someone were to ask you that, would you just run like hell away from that question? And the question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. After Tuesday's deadline, we have our final list of candidates for mayor of Winnipeg. Do you intend to vote for one of them? 61% say, of course. 21% say no, and 18% say most likely. Cast your vote, cjob.com. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb want to cover a couple of bases here, talking more about butchering names. But first, uh, some follow-up commentary on our text line about civic elections in Manitoba. Yes, according to one of our listeners, Loren, the town of Beauséjour... The council and mayor are all in once again by acclamation. Yeah, and you know, I, in some respects, there's people who have experience, and so it makes sense that the incumbents would would want to run again, and it makes sense that people might not want to run against 
an incumbent because the incumbent has the experience and, you know, the, you just sort of let them do what they've done for years. You're, you're darned if you do and darned if you don't. You know, you said earlier that people will say, we want fresh blood. You know, we want someone who has experience. And then we also want someone to understand how City Hall is run. And you, you, you can have both. But you can't be mad if you have one or the other. Like, it, it, you're darned if you have that experience. And when you don't, someone says, well, you don't know how it's done. And so it's it's really a tough place to be. And uh, we wanted to also ask you at 204-780-6868 times people have butchered your names or names that you've butchered. And, uh, Loren, I see one here. Uh, some, somebody, I, I think maybe you can relate to Ty here. My name is Ty. Easy enough, one would think. I've seen it spelt numerous ways. T-Y-E. T-I-E, even Thai, like T-H-A-I. <laughs> Along with it, spelt wrong, I've been called Tyler, Tyson, Tyron. And the best one of all is because my last name is Riel. Tyriel, Tyrell, quick enough, it turns into Tyrell, he gets called. Like, oh, how do you, how is someone screwing up Thai? Spelling, I suppose, but. Yeah, that's weird. And then, and then Alain. Who says, my name is Alain. It's French, but people somehow I get called alien. How does Alain <laughs> equal alien? I just go no. with Al now. And yeah. I, there are some genuine signs to that. Because if you see a word with the, the, with the first letter and the last letter are the same as another word, and there's a le- letter in the middle somewhere, they'll, you'll see those three letters and you'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Alain, science is working against you. Yeah, you're not I really... I feel re- people have to shorten their name though. Alain is so nice and Al is, now there's nothing wrong with Al but that's just two very different fields. Yeah, no question. It, it, you're, it, they're sight words. You're, you're not really reading the name, you're just seeing what Guessing. you think. It's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Question of the day, just hot off the presses at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Would you ever run for political office? Yes, civic. Yes, provincial. Yes, federal. Or none of the above. No way. Never, ever. Cast your vote. cjob.com. And before we talk about an important, important health summit that's about to take place, we are Asking you at 204-780-6868 about names that you have either butchered or the way that your names have been butchered. We've got three highlighted here. Let's go. My name is Sergio. People say Sergio, like the Gee and McGee. I've only ever met one Sergio in my life. I asked him for ID. Greetings from Vancouver. It's 5 a.m. here. Yeah, uh, never ceases to ma- amaze me. Another listener says, whenever I see hockey player Jonathan Taves, everyone calls him Jonathan Taves. But when it's John Taves from accounting at work, everyone still manages <laughs> to call him John Toes. <laughs> fair. That is that is fair. And this one, I, I this is reminding me of another conversation. So this listener says, my name is Swedish, Blenda. When teachers would do roll call, they never said it right. They'd say Brenda, Belinda, Glenda. So I would not raise my hand. Teacher would get mad. And a six-year-old me would say, well, you didn't call my name. <laughs> so now when I say my name, people think I'm mispronouncing it. So I go, it's Blenda, like blender. And that reminds me of all the ways people try to get someone to say their name right. You know, I, I had a friend whose last name was Drolet. And he'd say, like, Chevrolet. And I'd hear him on the phone all the time saying that. And I said, hi, my name's Loren. And I've had people say, oh, like, like Ralph Loren. And then I think, well, isn't it Ralph Lorne? And then it just confuses the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's because good I point. actually don't know. So, yeah, it's funny. 
<laughs> Keep your text coming for a chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And we've got Ringo Star tickets to give away at just after 8.45. Long wait times in the ER. Long wait times in urgent care facilities. Wait lists for family doctors. It is understatement, we know, to say the healthcare system is extremely strained. Yeah, just looking right now, the shortest wait time in a Winnipeg ER, well, you, you have four hours at Seven Oaks Urgent Care. That's the shortest wait time at a Winnipeg hospital. It's closer to eight, eight and a half hours for some waiting at St. Boniface or HSC this morning, and that's inside city limits. Outside, we know there are many Manitobans who have to travel great distances to get to their nearest hospital. And as we've been telling you all summer, some of those ERs, they're not even open. Or if they are, they have limited hours or limited access to doctors, Greg. Yeah, those physical those physical facilities exist, but there's no one inside. There's no one working. So today, a group of doctors, community leaders, business owners, they're all gathering in Portage La Prairie to try and come up with some solutions to the problem. Dr. Nichelle Disolet is a family doctor from Nipawa and a board uh, director for Doctors Manitoba. She will be at the Rural Healthcare Summit today. Dr. Disolet, thank you for making some time with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So please describe the situation in some of our smaller towns right now. Uh, paint us that radio picture, as our colleague Richard Cloutier might say. Sure. So all across the province, we are experiencing a shortage of healthcare professionals. And to be honest, this isn't a new problem. Yes, we're seeing it talked about a lot more, which is great, but this is a nationwide problem and a Manitoba-wide problem, and it's not a new problem. Now, in your years in healthcare, have you ever seen shortages like this? So I've been a physician for about seven years now, so relatively fresh out of the gate. But even in my short career, and including the years that I spent in training, I never really saw anything like this. Not the chronic, long-term, sustained shortages and challenges. And when I look to my senior colleagues and I hear them saying that, you know, after 20, 25 years, maybe 30 years, that they've never seen anything like this, that's got me really concerned because those are my mentors. Those are the people that I look up to. If I see them struggling and feeling like things are getting too tough, then I'm worried. So understanding that the problem's not new, but at the same time, perhaps worse than it's been, if ever, maybe worse than it's been in a long, long time, and knowing that it's a Manitoba-wide, nationwide problem, this is not an easy fix, and the answers can't be simple because we're talking about trying to come up with ways to not just attract doctors to rural or northern communities, but to keep them. Is there any sort of consensus in terms of what a, a quick fix might be, if that even exists, or are these all really complicated long-term uh, answers here, Dr. Desolais? Uh, I think you've got it both right ways. Um, there's going to be some, hopefully some short-term solutions that can get us through the work that we need to do to figure out those more complex long-term solutions. Um, the exciting thing is that the summit that we're holding today has never happened before. No one from these stakeholder groups have ever gotten together in Manitoba to talk about what is being seen on the front lines and to talk about potential solutions, both short-term and long-term. I definitely think that there's some low-hanging fruit, some things that can decrease the burden on the people that are on the front lines right now, hopefully making those healthcare workers more effective and efficient at providing the healthcare services that our patients need. Now, that's not going to be the, you know, the 
end game fix for some of our challenges, but I definitely think that we can take a multi-pronged approach and look for lots of different sources of hopefully innovative solutions. I'm hoping that after this summit, we can look at Manitoba being an innovator in healthcare system change, to, because like as I said, this is a nationwide problem, and uh, we need to be innovative and consider being a leader in trying to sort out some of these challenges. I know Boys of Vane once upon a time sort of uh, sponsored one of their students. I think it was more for a physician, and and the agreement was that we'll we'll pay for your schooling if you agree to come back. One of our listeners earlier this morning suggested, similar to the military, why not cover students' tuition in return? They need to practice uh, in a rural or northern area for four years. Some may stay permanent, others may not. Are are, are these some of the things that that might get discussed, Doctor Disolay? I definitely anticipate these types of strategies being discussed in detail. And, and the strategies, like you've mentioned, are great, but they, it's not going to be a one solution that's going to help us get through this. Yes, um, you know, money, tuition payments, uh, financial incentives is a great way to peop- get people into medicine and into an area, but it might not keep them there. Um, physicians and, and other healthcare professionals have spouses and families. And so even though a physician might have a passion for rural medicine, if it doesn't work for their family, they might not be able to stay in that area. If that physician or healthcare worker is feeling um, excluded or harassed in their environment, they're going to leave. If they're feeling like it's a difficult work environment because of lack of resources or lack of supports, they're going to look for other opportunities. So definitely financial incentives, I'm not going to deny that that's a, a strategy. It's definitely not the only strategy. Yeah, we've heard from nurses and doctors within the system that money can only go so far if you're feeling burnt out, if your hours aren't working for you, if you have those stresses that you talked about. Before we let you go, I'm just, you know, you're in a small town and people talk in small towns. And I'm just curious what you're hearing from patients in terms of their concern for where rural health care might be going right now because at the end of the day it's the people who might not be getting the care that they need who will be worried about this so greatly today. I'm so glad that you asked that. So I was on call for our emergency room on Monday and this is exactly the, the concerns that I'm hearing from patients. You know when I'm one, with one patient or maybe I'm taking a quiet moment to think through my thoughts or chart on a patient's case, I'm hearing the people in the waiting room. It's not a very big hospital that I work in. They're voicing to each other their frustrations, how long they've been waiting to see me because there's only one doctor working that night. Um, I'm hearing from people that they've tried to get into their family physician or maybe they don't have a family physician, so they're coming to the emergency room and waiting hours and hours to see me for something that could have been addressed through through a family medicine clinic. I'm hearing from people that uh, have no access to primary care and they're coming to the emergency room with problems that they should not have to sit there and and wait to see me for. Problems that, uh, you know, we have, uh, we we really need other uh, supports in place for them. So I'm always hearing how frustrated people are. A patient on Monday voiced to me, I'm really disappointed in the healthcare system today. And, you know, I had to agree with them. I felt for them. I was disappointed in their experience too. And um, when I'm seeing them, all I can do is try to help in that moment. But it, it really weighs down on everyone to, to kind of see the morale and the, and the experiences that uh, everyone is going through. 
Dr. Nichelle Desolais is a family doctor from Nipawa and a board director for Doctors Manitoba. She'll be at the Rural Health Care Summit today in Portage La Prairie. Dr. Desolais, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Text message at 204-780-6868. Hey, kids, I have a couple of stories about getting names mixed up. If you'd like to hear them, I can call Lynn. So I said, who's Lynn? LOL, voice to text. Hello to Winnipeg comedian, mental health advocate, children's book reader on social media, and all-around good guy, Big Daddy Taz. Hey, Taz. Hey, it's actually called Big uh, Diddy uh, Tease. So don't, uh, you know, don't, please get my name right. It's ridiculous. I, uh, how long have we been friends? Just now, I suppose. Hey, so I just wanted to call in and uh, tell you one of the the, the neatest little nor- uh, stories about uh, names and stuff. It's not my uh, not my story. Henry Cho is a comedian out of the states, and he tells a story about his name, uh, his buddy whose name is J. A. B. Jones. That's it, J. B. And J. and the B. don't stand for anything. So he tried to get his driver's license, and he wrote J. B. And the driver's license people said, "No, you have to fill it out." So. With the name, it can't be. It can't be initials. And he said, "Well, my there's no, it's not a name. It's JB. JB is my name." No, so he wrote uh, J only B only Jones, and he got his driver's license back, and it says Jolly Bonely Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, fantastic, Taz. Well, have you ever messed up? I mean, you host or are oh, involved geez. in millions of uh, uh, of <laughs> events uh, over the past twenty five years. Have you botched anyone famous? Uh, you know, uh, bringing them on or or thanking them for bringing you on. Well, you know what? I was uh, I did a show years ago for the real estate uh, people, and I have dyslexia, as you may or may not know. And uh, so I practiced the names. I practiced the names like for a few days and stressed myself out. And then I got to John Smythe, S-M-Y-T-H-E, John Smythe. And ladies and gentlemen, John Smythe. And he comes down, he goes, actually, it's Smith. I go, no, it's not. It is not Smith. It's Smythe. The Y, the E at the end makes the Y, uh, you know, sound like an I. And he goes, no, it's, it's uh, Smith. I go, is it called Con Smith Trophy or Con Smythe? He goes, Con Smythe. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I said, I don't know who we have to call in your, in, your, in, your, in your lineage to make sure that you never get that wrong. And I said, let me get this straight. I got Sanjay Talakratni's name right, but I couldn't get John Smith. <laughs> I did actually one time also say Lois Gehrig's disease instead of Lou Gehrig's disease uh, because I panicked. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a Lois Gehrig out there, but uh, sorry. Well, Taz, we're going to have to leave it there. But thanks for calling to let us know. That's B Diddy Tease, as he called it, Big Daddy Taz, joining us live on 680 CJOB Talking Names. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Reminder, we've got Ringo Star tickets to give away a bit later on this hour at 8.45. And we have Michael Buble tickets to give away just after 9.15. And we, I'm, just as far as the question goes, times that your name has been butchered or times that you have butchered someone's name. And uh, this listener says, my name is... And I, I think that I'm not, this might be the last name, but I, I need confirmation because I get called every name except my, my name, Giovanni or Julie Giovanni. 
I get Judy, Joanna, Glovina. I have to stop people to correct them. And then finally, whatever they call me. Um, But my name is Giovanni. Uh, But we have this person listed as Julie in our contact card. And they said, we actually have you as Julie. So we need some confirmation here. Uh, to said listener, what is your actual like name? We've been doing it wrong maybe for years with with them. Yeah. Oh, oh hang on. Text. Hold on. I'm scrolling up here, scrolling up. Oh, I do see some text signed Julie. So perhaps Giovanni is the last name. But we'll get some confirmation on that. Okay. We, gotta, we, we always ask for your name so we know who we're talking to. That's right. At 204-780-6868. Um, but right now, we're learning this morning, Loren, that the federal government is going to conduct a review of how the COVID-19 pandemic was and is being handled. Yeah, sharpen your pencils or get your laptop ready if you want to weigh in. I'm not really sure how this is going to work because we don't have a lot of the specifics yet. But the federal health minister has said that there's going to be a few areas that are being looked at. A review of the government's response will, of course, be examined from a public health perspective. But Jean-Yves Duclos, the country's minister of health, says there's more to it. In an interview with the Toronto Star, he says we also need to have a look at the social and economic aspects and how Canadians have fared over the last two and a half years, keeping in mind we haven't been declared completely out of the woods just yet. Now, Duclos wouldn't say if any evaluation would be done independent of the Public Health Agency of Canada, which has been, on an ongoing basis, looking at its own actions internally. He'd only say a strong review is is necessary. Duclos told the paper, Canada has done really well when you look at comparable countries, and that's something to be proud of. The federal government's response has been criticized by many, politicians and Canadians included, for being too costly, too slow, and restrictive in terms of vaccine mandates. Tina Trajani, Global News. You have to imagine even the most supportive person, the most supportive individuals, when it comes to the actions the government has taken. No, I don't think anybody can say they did everything perfectly. In fact, there'll be a lot of people who say they did a lot of things incorrectly. And the only way to figure out what we need to do, and God forbid there's a next time, but that's the job of government, that's the job of leadership, is to be prepared for the things that we don't ever want to think or talk about. This is absolutely necessary. Thank goodness they're doing this. Yeah, I I have no issues with them doing it at all. I do have questions about not just some of the specifics, but context is always so important. And so is there a conclusion at the end? You know, is there a grade that they give themselves? Is there a list of recommendations like you would get out of an inquiry or an inquest? And then what in it? Is it just a suggestion or is it binding, right? Because we review things all the times. How many times do we joke about, you know, the number of times that a consultant has been called in by the city or province or government and they give feedback and then we don't do anything with the feedback. Mm -hmm. So that that's part of it that's important to me too. And then when I use the word context, I mean, how, how do you put into context whether something did or did not work when there are so many variables and unknowns? And so it, it's, I don't know if you'll read it and get to the end of it and feel any better than you did at the beginning, but it, it does, to your point, Greg, have to happen. Yeah, I think to put a, a tidy bow on this, Brett, would be an impossibility to kind of wrap it up and go, okay, here's our summation in, in X amount of pages, X amount of words of, of how we did, what we'll do next time, and what we did, wish we had done differently. I, I don't know if we'd ever get to that point comfortably. And I th- and really, I think we're going to be looking at the fallout of the pandemic for years to come, if honestly not generations. Like, yeah, we, we did everything we could to, uh, not just in this country, but around the world to protect life. But 
you know, we we often commented, but is it go, is this going to cost livelihoods? And we were seeing the economy is in shambles, and the supply chain is in shambles, and everything's a mess. And uh, there's, I'm not saying that we did things wrong. I, I'm saying this was kind of an impossible situation that just sort of landed on us, and and governments around the world had to react. So uh, I, I'm good to hear. I'm glad to hear that they're doing this, and hopefully, governments around the world will look at this and try to learn from mistakes that were made along the way because this, again, impossible situation. How can one not make mistakes while just trying to, to get through what was it? Uh, a nightmare, Loretta. It was a nightmare. It was. And I think, you know, there's the challenge when you do a review, review is that the feelings and the tension still exists, right? And so when you look back on something, the way you feel about it today might not be how you feel about it six months ago. It might not even be how you felt about it feel about it six months from now, right? Like you've had all different mixed emotions. You might have wake, wake, woken up 72 different times in this course of this two and a half years and thought, I'm done with this, or they need to do more, or lift the restrictions, ease the restrictions. Why isn't the government this? Help, help, help. No, no, no. And you've thought, you you went through that wave too, right? And so that's hard. But I, I, I'm looking forward to getting to more specifics because there will be many people out there eyeing this closely. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. We've got Ringo Starr tickets to give away in our next segment, coming to Canada Life Centre on October 4th. And then Michael Buble tickets to give away uh, for October 7th, Canada Life Centre, based on your text messages on the way that we botch names or the way that your name has been botched. And uh, that's going to be a difficult choice today at 204-780-6868. Mackling, you must have an example handy to just keep this one moving. Uh, <laughs> I do, but I... Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, my bo- daughter's name is often pronounced incorrectly, but is not really... A problem. Marin is her name. Often gets called Marion or Marine or Marin. When she was little, we were waiting our turn to have gymnastics photos done. All names are being called. I heard the assistant saying moron a few times. It seemed rather inappropriate. My friend said, I think they might be trying to call your daughter. Sure enough, moron was Mar- Marin. <laughs> Glad she was young and didn't make the connection. We laugh about it now. Also, Marin was the name of the exorcist, Father Marin, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know that. Uh, Marin was uh, one of the wives on Fraser, too, right? Oh, look at that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did she ever appear? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. In the meantime, a little bit of gratitude, Loren, can go a long way. Yeah, so that's the idea behind... This day, today, September 21st, I have to be honest, I didn't know this, but today is World Gratitude Day. And I think it's safe to say everyone likes to feel appreciated and also showing appreciation. There's studies that have been done that show when, you, when you're thankful, when you give back, when you show gratitude, that you can also just improve your overall health. And so the theme of showing appreciation and giving thanks is bringing together the folks at Transplant Manitoba and Tissue Bank Manitoba because they want to give thanks to those who have either given that gift of life as well as the Manitobans who have signed up with their intent to give their organs, to give their tissues, to donate through Manitoba's online organ and tissue donor registry. So this morning we're joined by Dr. Owen Mooney, Medical Director with the Gift of Life Program. Good morning, Dr. Mooney. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm, I'm good. And I'm curious for you. I mean, you must have a long list of people that you can think of right away that you'd be grateful for, for what they've done for others. But when you're in that hospital, when you hear about someone's decision in that moment to give that gift, what goes through your mind? Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing process uh, to be a part of. I feel incredibly lucky, uh, both uh, from a donation standpoint as a physician and a, and a critical care physician uh, as well, wearing kind of two hats. And, and you're right, today is really just all about the thank you. And, and our team um, is just incredibly grateful for more than the uh, you know 62,431 Manitobans who've registered. Um, and we know registration offers like significant amounts of hope to those waiting uh, for organ donation. And, and really informs families um, and gives them a clear indication uh, of their loved one's wishes at at what is uh, often the worst time of their lives. Dr. Mooney, I I know it's cliche, but as Paul Maurice uh, used to say and others have said, it's a cliche because it's true. It's better to give than it is to receive, although it would be difficult to convince someone who's received a a heart uh, from someone else as a gift, as a transplant to allow themselves to continue on with their lives. Uh, the connections between donors and recipients is, uh, can be very special. I know they don't always meet. Sometimes they never even know the names of one another, but sometimes they do form some pretty special friendships. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, there are certain situations where donor and recipient uh, are connected, uh, and that's uh, being a part of the, uh, some of those meetings is truly moving. Um, that's not always the case, but in those uh, special, rare circumstances where there is that connection, uh, you can see it on the family's faces, uh, you know, the, just the complete honor of their loved ones uh, with organ donation in the recipient. And that, yeah, it's just a wonderful process to be a part of. Dr. Mooney, sir, what was that number again of the number of people who have signed up and registered at signupforlife.ca? 62,431 Manitobans. We're looking to get another 10,000 uh, by the end of uh, 2022. This is our 10th year of online service. Uh, and uh, at uh, signupforlife.ca, it takes about two minutes to register, just your name, date of birth, and your Manitoba health number. Um, and uh, really just informs your family on your t- intent uh, to donate. And then further to that is just to kind of initiate a conversation with your family around the dinner table with regards to your thoughts about organ donation. There's a lot of, uh, you know, misconceptions out there and it's incredibly important just to initiate that conversation uh, so that your family is aware of your wishes and can honor that wish uh, in the you know if uh, donation becomes a possibility for you what are some of the misconceptions dr mooney that might keep someone from signing up or in that moment you know when you're trying to make that decision on behalf of a loved one what are the things that you hear yeah, you know, there's a, a whole multitude of things. Um, you know, uh, often it relates to, well, I'm too old or nobody would want my organs and, and, and kind of uh, those kind of cliches where uh, we in, in the critical care community um, uh, really offer donation to all Manitobans that are um, uh, going through an end-of-life discussion. Um, and really it's, it's about the process of evaluation uh, and really honoring that gift of donation, regardless if donation happens or not. Uh, it's that intent to donate that we really uh, want to honor uh, in those patients that do register uh, have that discussion with the families. Implied consent uh, often comes up when we have these discussions and today we're trying to keep it you know towards gratitude but uh, is this something that we should be having a, a discussion more about Dr. Mooney? This idea of you know yeah unless you opt out of donating your organs it's it's going to be understood that uh, that that they are are available with of course with the with the family's approval or or similar 
Mm-hmm. Well, you can see, um, you know, the, the process is changing across uh, uh, the country. Uh, the landscape is, is moving towards uh, an opt-out. Um, you know, we locally here in Manitoba um, have uh, looked at, uh, you know, the Law Commission is evaluating whether or not Manitobans uh, are interested in moving forward with legislation like this. Um, obviously, this is a, a kind of a touchy subject. Consent, however, is still part uh, of every process of donation, regardless if you opt-in or opt-out. Um, and it's uh, just really critical to have that uh, discussion with your family and be very clear on your wishes uh, and that way that you can unburden them uh, when you can imagine they're trying to make decisions about a whole host of different things. If they can honor you in that uh, one specific um, decision to make sure that uh, they're uh, recognizing your intent to donate, uh, that makes things uh, so much easier for everybody involved. I'm just wondering as well, do you think maybe uh, there's some reluctance to sign up just simply for the, like uh, you mentioned, it only takes two minutes uh, but some people might think, well, it takes me two seconds to write a signature on a card and I, you know, I don't feel like going online or maybe they just don't want to take the time. So do you think there's that chases some people away? Yeah, I think so. Like there is that because uh, you know we we used to use those little blue cards. Uh, there, and we st- uh, you know talking to friends, there's still that misconception that those cards are valid. Uh, we would re- recommend you recycle those cards and, and take the the very short amount of time, uh, or, or uh, you know at the minimum, uh, you know let your family know your intent to donate. But we would always uh, like you know both both a, a registration uh, and initiation of that conversation at home. If I sign up. Say I've signed up, but I haven't told my family. Can the family in the moment ch- change the mind on, on behalf of their loved one? Is that, does that happen? Or once you're signed up, you're good to go? No, we, we do still require consent uh, throughout the whole process. Um, often it's a, it's a lot of information sharing in, mm-hmm. initially. Uh, what we know is that uh, 90% of patients that have registered, um, will uh, their families will consent on their behalf. It is a very rare circumstance where that doesn't happen, uh, where we're well below 50% of consent rates if, that, if the family's unaware of the, uh, the loved one's intent to donate. Uh, so uh, we, once again, we uh, encourage patients uh, to have that discussion with their family and to register. Dr. Owen Mooney, always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Uh, do you ever get, does anybody get your uh, name mixed up? We're talking about uh, name mix-ups. Do you get called anything other than Owen, uh, other uh, than maybe at home when you're in trouble? <laughs> I get Owen Meany a lot. Um, <laughs> oh, famous, I was going to say money. Yeah. It should be Owen money, but Meany doesn't seem yeah. kind. No, no, it doesn't. You're correct. <laughs> Dr. Owen Mooney, not Meany, Medical Director of the Gift of Life Program, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you for this, Dr. Mooney. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. And just to follow up, I understand, on our uh, previous discussion on the name Marin. Yeah, it's, it's Maris, not Marin. Thank you to all the listeners who remind me I got that wrong. Yeah, like Norm's wife, Vera, on Cheers. Niall's wife, Maris, on Fraser, makes only uh, two on-screen, quote-unquote, appearances, apparently. Once in the episode Voyage of the Damned, where her shadow is seen through a shower curtain. <laughs> and then again in Rooms with the View, where she appears in Niall's memory, almost completely covered by bandages after surgery. So yes, it's Maris, not Merit. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, of course, on the day that we're talking about botching names, I call uh, Skylar Global's Skylar Peter, and then I go to introduce Justine Ruffier instead of Justine Routier of all the days. 
Today is the day, by the way. I was just saying, thanks to one of our listeners, I just realized our last guest, Dr. Owen Mooney, who sometimes says he gets called Dr. Meany, because Owen Meany is the name out of a a book, a prayer for Owen Meany, and I, it's a character also in a movie. So maybe that's what people are thinking when they oh, see Oh, really? Of course Loren knows it's a book. <laughs> Brett's going, oh, yeah, maybe it's a character in a movie. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> no, a listener Elsa says a prayer for Owen Meany is a book and a movie. And Elsa goes on to say, I got called salsa a lot, but thanks to Disney, it's not so bad now because, of course, Elsa super popular with Frozen. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Now that I think about it, my sister, when we were kids, she had uh, a little like stuffed lioness named Elsa. I gotta confirm that, but I think yeah. Remember, I'm de- digging deep into a memory bank that has not been accessed for a long time. Can you imagine how popular that name is now, Elsa? Is it popular now? Oh, it must be. Has to be, right? It must be. I mean, when you look at things like like Daenerys. Is uh, a popular Sorry? name, like as in the Khaleesi, Daenerys Targaryen oh. from Game of Thrones. <laughs> when I hear Daenerys, I think food. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Not Game of Thrones. And when you say Elsa, I would like to know if Elsa then has people singing to her a lot. You know, as soon as you hear that name, guaranteed. Oh, probably guaranteed. Be, that would be annoying. I'd be the one to do it though. Sorry, Elsa. I'd fire off a "Let It Go" like no one's biz. Just yelling at everybody. Just let, let it, it go. go. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got Michael Bublé tickets to give away for October 7th Canada Life Centre. And today's topic inspired by the fact that Nickelback frontman Chad Kruger came clean on how to actually pronounce his last name. It's Kruger. It's commonly referred to as Kroger, uh, but it's actually Kruger. And uh, the Loudwire podcast was able to get that out of him. So we've been asking you about how people butcher your name or maybe someone in your family, or maybe you've made mistakes uh, on introducing names. Like when I referred to John Cleese as John Cleese on stage and said, and then he said, there's no John Cleese, it's Cleese, it's like cheese. And I was very thoroughly embarrassed at the concert hall. But uh, Greg, we got a couple of runners up here like Lorraine. My daughter was at the bank to sign a mortgage. Her last name is Udon. H-U-D-O-N. When she read the document she was to sign, she noticed they had her name written as Hudson and informed the rep that they had the wrong name on her mortgage documents. The rep replied, oh, I thought you had made a mistake. Yeah, because I don't know how to spell my own name. Come on. Also, you just pronounced it, I I thought it was Hudon. Just to get into the way it's pronounced. Oh, <laughs> oh well, fortunately, Lorraine said it's with a silent H. It's Udon. Oh, like Udon. Yeah, See, U- I, well, I, have, I know people who have it spelled that way, and it's Hudon for them. Oh, yeah. Hudon, like, uh, like Hodor, the, another Game of Thrones like, reference. Sorry. Sure. Just being a nerd. Um, no, I like it. <laughs> Lorraine's going to take our winner here, but Anita, one of our runners-up, many years ago. And by the way, this was like uh, darn near impossible to pick a winner today because we just got flooded with great stories that we just simply don't have time to read all of them. But Anita says, many years ago, when my mom started dating her now husband, he kept calling me Annette. My name is Anita. I would correct him and just move on with the conversation. After he moved in with my mom and he was still calling me Annette, I stopped him. I looked him straight in the face and said, hey, buddy, if you're going to sleep with my mother, 
You better start learning my name. <laughs> Didn't take him much longer after that. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. But uh, Loren Thori is our winner. My name is Thori, an Icelandic name. I get Lori, Tori, Dorothy. When writing my name, people often use Theory. Like, who would name their kid Theory? And most infuriating of all, someone will say, what's your name? I say, Thori. <laughs> they say, it's okay. And I go, what? I didn't say sorry. <laughs> Thori. Oh, Thori. <laughs> uh, so, Thori, you're going to Michael Buble, and we are not sorry for picking you <laughs> as our winner. Congratulations, and thanks to all for your wonderful stories. Oh, so many good stories, as per usual. Yeah, I spent half the morning just laughing alone in the studio here. We're still working in separate studios. Maybe one day we'll be back in the same room, maybe by 2026. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And how about another M? The main ingredient. Just got a heads up that it is Kevin Bergen's birthday today. Happy birthday to Kevin Bergen, host of The Main Ingredient, and filling in on Winnipeg weekends since Clay Young uh, fled the coop, became a traitor, and jumped to the television side, uh, filling in right now on Global News Morning for Gabrielle Marchand. And uh, Loren, <laughs> the way that uh, Clay did this, he's just wandering around the hallways. I could hear him outside the studio saying, and, and here's Brett McGarry. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. And the door opens, and Clay's standing there, and he says, "Yeah, Brett, it's uh, it's uh, Kevin Bergen's birthday today, so I'm just going around uh, getting everybody to wish him a happy birthday. So say happy birthday." And I'm like, look at him, like, where is he? But then I realize he's got his phone in his hand, so he's just holding his phone out <laughs> for me to just walking around with. I love that. Yeah. Oh. Always care. Well, happy birthday, Kevin. Happy yeah. birthday. Kevin Bergen, main ingredient, host of the Winnipeg Weekends for now on 680 CJOB. I've mentioned before, cooking is not really my thing. I'll make myself a couple of basic things at home, but uh, it's a lot of takeout. Like, look, I don't cook for mainly for two reasons. One, I'm impatient and I just want my food now, so I don't want it to be too complicated. Two, I'm lazy. And I guess, okay, a third reason. I worry I will screw it up and have to start over. Well, maybe this next cookbook is for me, Greg. Well, I think it just might be, Brett McGarry. It's called Don't Worry, Just Cook. And its authors are mother and daughter Bonnie Stern and Anna Rupert. Bonnie, good morning. Good morning to you. We'll get to Anna in just a few moments, but I'll say good morning to Anna as well. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. <laughs> so, Bonnie, one of the reviews in the book says, Cooking, like life, is the, in the age of social media, is riddled with anxiety and FOMO, FOMO being fear <laughs> of missing out. And I wanted you to talk about how does the age of social media cause people to worry about cooking? Well, I think that everybody is showing their best pictures of how things turn out and everybody wants to be perfect. And that isn't the way real life is. And we always hope that when people cook, they'll keep that in mind and just don't worry, just cook it. And it will be more delicious than anything that you're going to buy and more helpful for you. And it's not, if it doesn't turn out, there's another meal the next day or the next Bonnie. meal. I'm curious. I mean, you're you're you do what you do. You run a cooking school. You're uh, a 
cookbook, you're a chef, you're a mother. And so, you know, it's not just social media, though. There's some, sometimes we put this expectation on ourselves to be these fabulous cooks or someone will bring up a meal they just had. Oh, I made that or I baked this. And you, you feel like you automatically need to reply, oh, I don't know how to do that. And you feel bad about it. How do we get past that emotion? Well, I think that you do have to cook a few things and get a little bit of self-confidence under your belt, and then, so to speak, and then you will <laughs> feel better about it, you know, and you don't have to cook a million different things. I think with the pandemic, people realize that if they have a couple of things that they feel comfortable about, that's good enough. And it doesn't mean you have to cook every single meal, but, you know, to have a few things that you feel comfortable doing if you have people over or even just for your family or yourself. No, Anna, you've got an interesting background, too, and diverse. You're a speech-language pathologist, health and social care manager, researcher, and consultant in Toronto. You hold master's degrees in speech-language pathology and in international health policy. Your research focuses on things like the inclusion of rehabilitation services like speech pathology and the relationship between early childhood mental health, childhood drama, and communication development. That's a long list, Anna, and I edited it. So my question... Where does the cooking fit into all this? Um, well, that, that's a very good question, and thank you for reminding me of all the things that I do. Um, uh, where does the cooking fit in? It's, it's part of how I sort of take care of myself, and it's a huge part of my relationships with people, which I think is one of the things that we really wanted to emphasize with this book. And, and you know, starts first and foremost with me and my mom. And, and so I think it's, it kind of fits in that way. I'm I'm thinking back to the time that I spent in particular when my kids were younger and and either cooking or baking and that connection that that created with my kids Anna and just that ability for them to do certain things is there is there any childhood mental health and communication development uh that can take place through cooking is is, is there some therapy potentially involved there as well Oh, I think for sure. I, you know, the most important thing that we know about children's development and, and health long term are the relationships in our lives. Like, and I think that's true for all of us. I know that that's true for all of us. And so if I think, if I think about the interactions and the, and the nurturing and supportive interactions that happen between children and their caregivers with their parents, um, you know, just like you said, the, there are wonderful opportunities around cooking and around food. And one of my strongest memories from childhood was painting sugar cookies with my mom. And, you know, even if, if cooking is stressful for you, there's an activity like, you know, having some icing and decorating a cookie. And that's wonderful. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be complicated and it doesn't have to take yeah. hours. It can be recipes that take just minutes. And Bonnie, I'm curious, you know, you've been you've been uh, cooking for how many years? A long like time. how when did you let's just leave it at a long time? That's okay. So, you've been cooking for a long time. I'm just wondering where your where your new recipes come from? Where the ideas for them come from and maybe how many incarnations you go through until you've decided it's perfect you know whether it's a third of a cup of this or a quarter cup or a half a cup how many trials and errors do you go through well I think every time you make something you make it a little bit differently you know even now um, you know when I cook things I make it a little differently so it's hard to put an exact 
number on anything. But I think that putting yourself into a recipe is the important part and being able to um, adjust it to how your family likes it and how you like it and what ingredients are available and what ingredients you might have on hand. You know, those type of things all alter a recipe at that moment that you're making it. So I try to give lots and lots of substitutions or different ways of doing things in my recipes. And I always have because I know what it's like when you're cooking from someone else's recipe, you know, that it isn't always you're going to be able to follow it exactly. And I feel the same way even about my recipes. But what I put down on paper is the way I feel that it's the most delicious for me right at that moment. And I've been very lucky in my life that a lot of people like that. Our guests are Bonnie Stern and Anna Rupert. They are mother and daughter and co-authors of Don't Worry, Just Cook. And we understand that Anna, Bonnie, has been cooking with you since she was able to sit unsupported on the kitchen counter and hold a wooden spoon. And this is her first book. You've got 12 books under your belt. What was it like collaborating with your daughter on this book for the first time? Well, I have to say it was really wonderful, and it just made our relationship stronger and stronger. I trust her completely. She has a beautiful, beautiful way of writing up my stories that take too long to tell, and she 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 puts them down sort of in a in a way that is just so lovely. And and the way she interprets food and tastes and gives suggestions is something that I trust completely. So it just bonded us even more and of course it was during the pandemic as I said and so um, you know it, it was a really wonderful way of getting together and when you cook from some, cook for someone else it isn't the perfection that's important it isn't important at all it's the feeling that you have and they have that you're taking care of them and nurturing them and doing something very special for them. Anna I have probably 15 16 cookbooks in my house and a lot of them just kind of, you know, I'll flip through them and then they go in the cupboard and I never take them out. Why, why, why will I keep this one on my island? Well, you know, it's interesting. When I was growing up, um, before I had my own cookbook collection and, and you know, cookbooks and, and was cooking from different cookbooks, people would come up to me when they knew my mom was Bonnie Stern and they would say, oh, my gosh, tell your mom her recipes work. And I had no idea what they could be talking about because I I took for granted that recipes would work. And so I think you're going to use this cookbook because my mom is incredible at anticipating people's questions and needs and, and, you know, and having recipes that are sort of tried and tested and true and timeless. And so I, you know, that's why I think this is going to, this is going to be a real winner. I'm just flipping through here and I see things like pan pizza and uh, other things that I normally would order out for. So I might just have to try this. So Bonnie Stern and Anna Rupert, thank you so much for joining us to tell us about this unique book. The fact that uh, it was uh, put together by a mother-daughter tandem is uh, pretty cool. So Bonnie, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And Anna, thank you as well. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Have an amazing day. The the book is called Don't Worry, Just Cook. Delicious, timeless recipes for comfort and connection.